So before he's going down, we're going to talk about some bullshit that we haven't seen before. It's some old bullshit we haven't seen before. Yeah, some some more moldy-ass old bullshit from, like, fucking Mr. Burns' fucking childhood. <laughs> or 1931. Uh, which Charlie Chaplin, City Lights, our third Chaplin movie. This isn't even that old. I mean, this is still, like, early talkie era stuff. This is... But- what? This is... Uh, I would say this is... Well, I mean... Well, we've done a couple kinda, projects earlier than this, but... I... I... I'm you a made little, a mistake, Bill! Uh, do you think I made a mistake? Is it? Are we coming to terms with this? That, like, me deciding to hit all the highlights <laughs> of Charlie Chaplin's career may have been kind of a... Not... I, okay, I'm not gonna say it's a mistake, but I'm a little <laughs> bit bummed that they, these movies aren't getting any better. <laughs> I thought there would be I, more... Of a curve of like, okay, well, okay, because we what we started off with uh, the kid, and then we did the gold mm-hmm. rush, mm-hmm. and now we're doing city lights, and we still have I, I have the discs for uh, the great dictator and modern time, so we I'd like I, I had always planned on doing these five films. Now we're more than two thirds way through this this ouvroir over of Charlie Chaplin and shit his signs aren't getting any better. If I were a doctor <laughs> and Charlie Chaplin's body of work was a oh, was, was a patient, I'd be sitting there going, "Hmm, we might end up losing this one." I wouldn't say this was bad, but it was so old and boring. That's what I'm saying. It's not bad. It's not like it's not like these movies are getting any worse. But it's kind of like uh, you know he, what this? I kind of—it's kind of like being uh, in the middle of Star Wars episode episode two, Attack of the Clones. You know, you know, you're like, okay, George Lucas was a little rusty. He came back with that Phantom Menace. Now he's come back with Attack of the Clones. And you're like, okay, maybe this is going to get better. You're about halfway through, and watching the City Lights is like the Charlie Chaplin equivalent of like the I hate sand speech, where you're like, nah, this is just <laughs> this is just what it is. You just have to take it on its own I, terms. It's not going to get any better. This is just this is just the way it's going to be. Oh, Charlie yeah. Chaplin loves the smell of his own shit so much. Oh my! In this movie, God, I'm it s- is painful how long he lingers on jokes. And the funny thing was, I was actually more on board with this film until uh, I I finished watching it this morning, and then I fired it up a second time. I put on the the commentary because like all the discs I have for the, for all these tra- uh, Chaplin films, they're the Criterion Blu-rays that came out just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And the what really soured me on this movie was the goddamn commentary where the guy in the commentary, like, every fucking thing that happens in this film, he's like, oh, and here we have one of the finest moments in film comedy history, a moment that is still funnier than anything else you'll see today. And I'm like, oh, you motherfucker, what the fuck? Like, I could I, I could be all saying, like, in the context of film history, like, this is an important film and there's lots of stuff in this movie that are ground, like, not, not even necessarily groundbreaking, but, like, we're good for its time, but if you're gonna be like making it sound like, oh, I'd rather take City Lights over most any film made these days, I'm like, you've drunk in the fucking Kool Aid, man. I can't trust your fucking opinions on this shit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there were any parts that I thought were funny in this. There were parts where I was like, I bet those idiot old timey people thought this was hilarious. Exactly. That's kind of the whole time I'm watching this movie going. <laughs> I can see how this was funny before Transformers and Nintendo. <laughs> but yeah. like, I we've made this jokes before these same jokes before talking about other silent films where like 
Uh, the funny thing is, I also kind of pride ourselves on we have we tend to be pre- pretty open minded, and we both are skewed towards liking old timey stuff. But like I said, I, yeah. I I think it's just a little disappointing that I was expecting more of an actual upturn within the qualities of these films, and just in relation to each other, just within Chaplin's body of work, and it just it, it it's a very level, uh level line of quality between these three films so far so who knows things things could still change we still yeah they have the great dictator in modern times left but yeah oh, sweet cheesy yeah especially this is like his first film produced during the talkie era and i can understand why he just didn't want to make a full-on talkie I, it's, that's not even the problem it's just still just even for a silent film essentially it's still just kind of like well I guess that floor is awful slippery, so we're going to have five minutes of <laughs> slipping on the floor jokes. You know, it's just kind of, yeah, there's nothing inherently bad. It's just nothing inherently, like, ass-blastingly fantastic. And we're both also, we also understand that this is an old thing, and, like, we've both benefited from growing up with media that was informed by this groundbreaking stuff from back in the day, too. So it's not like we're, like, directly compared. We're not just saying that just because something was made in the 21st century that it's automatically better than this, but it's still just, like... Even with all that stuff in mind, it's still just like, oof. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know if, if I'm funny as Charlie Chaplin, but all the jokes, I was like, I can see this coming from a mile away. Yeah, you and I could probably make a better movie than Charlie Chaplin. And we're not even saying that it's like, who'd fuck Charlie Chaplin, but like... I know, I know. This was all "quote unquote" new back then, but people had senses of humor. They had to be able to watch this movie and be like, "I, I, I can tell what he, I can tell he's about to eat that thing that he's not supposed to eat." That's the thing. It really makes you question, like, what, what was going through people's fucking minds back then? It's, at a certain point, it's like, what's wrong with the society when this is the funniest thing you could come up with? <laughs> I mean, I know it was the depression. Everyone was like eating stewed socks for dinner and shit, but. Oh, but yeah, because uh, especially this is 10 years after the kid, so you'd think there would be at least a little bit of a, I mean, the, the film looks better, you know, like the film making technology got better, and obviously, I feel, uh, yeah, but I feel like this, his storytelling got worse. I feel yeah. like the storytelling in the kid was tighter and more cohesive, and I, actually, like, especially, all the scenes made sense, aside from the dream sequence. Yeah, and, oh, well, I, <laughs> I forgot about the dream sequence, <laughs> but like, even, like, the super modeling way that this movie ends is just so, like, old time. I mean, like, I pictured, like, little kid Mr. Burns in the theater watching this and crying, but, like, no one else in the history of the world would, it's just, I don't know. But we should probably start with the film itself. This is my choice, so sorry, everybody, for inflicting this on it. Like, I shouldn't even say it's it's not that bad, but like I said, it's just not as good as I was hoping, but anyway. Well, City Lights, 1931. Yeah, it starts with a bunch of people at some outdoor event. Talking like kazoos for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's going on full on Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Which, again, this is this set the tone for me with the commentary. Where the commentary is like, and this is Charlie Chaplin's damning uh, portrayal of what he thinks sound cinema is like. It's just useless words that can't hold a candle to the ecstatic beauty of his silent film work. And I'm just like... No, the guy's just being stupid. He's being petty. Well, being that in, a ter- in history turned out he was fucking wrong as shit. Well, I guess this is also a 
famous Charlie Chaplin quote when he was defending uh, his his choice to make this a silent film back in the days? He was like, oh, I'll give a silent film like two or three years tops. Or I'll give the talkies two or three years tops before that fad dies off and we're just back to silent film. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck with that, Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> but anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, so... They're, they're standing in front of a giant sheet that's covering up some obvious, like, statues behind them. And then they, they dedicate it, and they pull the cover away, and Charlie Chaplin is sleeping on one of the three large characters' laps. Which is kind of cute. Every, everyone is shocked at this turn of events. Yeah. So Although they it's yelling. funny, because it's totally, like, obviously not, like, any kind of an actual public real statue, because the statue is so shitty. It's obviously just, a, <laughs> like, a, like, like a uh, styrofoam prop made for this film, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. They all start yelling at him, he tips their hat, and then while he's climbing down, uh, one of the characters is holding a sword, and he sl- slides his ass pocket and through that sword like and hangs five there. Five minutes. Again, silent film oh. kind of like uh, pacing, where like, okay, well, you could see the joke coming. And you're like, okay, the first four minutes of this, you're like, okay, I get it, he, his butt stuck on a sword. And just keeps on going and going and mm-hmm. going. Anyway. They yell at him to get down while he's hanging there. And then the national anthem starts playing out of nowhere for no reason. He has to hold his, ha- his hat over his heart while he flails around hanging Which, there. It turns out this was not the national anthem officially yet. It wasn't actually uh, legally dictated to be the, the national anthem until just like a couple months after this film came out. Mm. Just throwing that out there. And then... Uh... Then he, he gets off that one, he manages to climb off, and then he climbs down to the next one and sits on its face. Uh, <laughs> he does! He does, yeah. It is a real face-sitting <laughs> gif moment of, like, uh. A bunch of kazoos laugh and yell at him. Yeah. And then he sits on another one's hand. Eventually he leaves, and that scene has nothing to do with anything in the rest of the movie. According to the commentary, no, I'm not gonna stop bragging on the commentary. It's, no, but no, the commentary it's fine. just makes this whole meal out of like, because he keeps the hole in his pants for the rest of the film, and the rest of the film talks about like, oh, and you see his butt, the hole in his butt here, left over from the sword of of justice, is a symbol of how he has been skewered, and he still flashes his butt uh, buttocks at that. At the, the the crimes of injustice on the city streets here in City Lights, and it's just like I don't think Ch- I don't think Charlie Chaplin was thinking that metaphorically about it. I mean, maybe some of the stuff he was symbolically like thinking about this a little bit. Like he was probably but, just like, I bet it would be funny if I sat on a statue's face with my ears. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't get that deep about a movie <laughs> where a guy confuses a piece of spaghetti with a like a with a paper string and eats <laughs> it for five minutes. It's not that deep. Jesus Christ. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, that, so, yeah. I didn't really even think about how that opening scene has has nothing to do with the rest of the film. You didn't ever see any of these characters. You never see that statue nope. again. Yeah, nope, nope. Uh, a, eventually, later, he runs into some newsies. They get into it. They pull off chunks of his glove because they're just hanging there. Yeah, and it's it's also very important to the plot. Uh, he stops and looks at some art in a window, a store window. And there's a uh, one of those street elevators behind him. Oh yeah, like sp- loading stuff. Like yeah, you like uh, when. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be for loading stuff, but it just raises and lowers for with no reason. Like you, do- yeah, no one's like like behind the controls of wor- this elevator built into the sidewalk. Yeah, don't worry. We only spend half an hour of him walking forward and backward, almost falling into it. I want to go 
find it's very brisk. I want to go find Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin from Batteries Not Included, just knowing that they would have grown up thinking this is hilarious and beat them up. <laughs> I'm related to this film. I just want to go punch an old person for laughing at this when they were ten. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he walks backwards and forwards and no, no, no. Yeah, and I'm sure the audience at the times were just standing on their feet, being like, "Oh, it's Flash Chaplin!" You know, yeah, you can tell like people were dying and having heart attacks and being ushered out of the theater <laughs> when he steps backwards, and you think for Some, a moment he might step into the into the elevator pit, but. Some guy sitting in the aisle seat just shits his pants. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> One guy in the background just blows his brains out with a shotgun because he can't take the tension of this scene anymore. It's, oh my god, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is finally- just like five years after people, like, they would see a train in a, in a movie theater and, like, think they were going to get run over by it and, like, kill themselves and then run out of, oh, just, yeah. Ugh, old people are I dumb. hate the old people. Oh my god. <laughs> It explains a lot if that's what they grew up with. And, Seriously! And the way they are now. Greatest generation could lick my balls and slurp <laughs> my cock. Anyway. So, uh, eventually the joke ends with him, like, getting lowered slightly in it while he's standing on it, and a guy comes out of it, and it turns out that guy is very tall, so he doesn't fight Which him. Which is kind of funny, because for some reason he's being aggro to this guy who th- he thinks is super tiny it's, just because the guy's in an elevator. But... It's because the tramp is an asshole! <laughs> He, he wasn't so much an asshole in the kid, but in this, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Also, Charlie I, Chaplin himself was a bit of a piece of shit. So it's a little autobiographical there, I guess. You're just saying that because he banged 12-year-olds. <laughs> Ritualistically, all the time, was looking for the hottest 11-year-olds to cast as his romantic leads in all of his films. I didn't realize he was already in his 40s in this film, and the blind girl in this movie is 20 years old, and I'm like, that's not as bad as, like, when he's trying to fuck like a fucking a fetus during the kid, but like mm-hmm. it's still like man, this li- literally like you're like could have been his daughter's age and like a grown daughter's age. I'm just like ah. anyway. Yeah, and then uh, there's a blind girl selling flowers, mm-hmm. uh, and to avoid a policeman, the tramp climbs. He's walking across the street, and there's a police guy on a motorcycle. Oh yeah, that's right. In order to avoid the policeman, he like uh, he, he crawls he, through the he, back of an uh, like uh, of a car. Yeah, and when he gets out and closes the door, the blind girl thinks that he's a very rich man and offers him a flower, but he's quickly smitten with her, and he gives her some money and, and buys a flower. Then some rich guy comes out of nowhere, gets in that car he had just gotten out of, and uh, she's like, hey, you forgot your change. And he's like, oh, shit, she thinks I'm that rich guy. Instead of, like, correcting her decision, yeah, he just kind of, like, buckles up and wanders away. He's yeah. all like, I guess maybe he's trying to make it so that she can keep the change that he just gave her. Like he's trying to be I nice, agree. but I, I it, but yeah, he just very quietly creeps away, and the lady is just yeah. left thinking that she had just sold a flower to a super rich guy who got in a car. Yeah. Away. Except he sneaks back uh, to sit at her, and so he can creepy watch her sell flowers. Oh, I forgot about that. And there's another thing where she gets up and like there's a little fountain next to her, and she fills up her like yeah. her her. She fills up her her little bucket and. And sloshes around for a little bit and throws it in his face. And then he wanders off. And he's just like, ooh, I'm wet. And I'm the tramp. Boop, yep. boop, boop. It's nighttime. Uh, she goes <laughs> it does home say, to like, her- night. I like this. Says like, even, even these days, he still has to have an interstitial that lets you know it's going to be nighttime in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Jesus. It's dark because it's evening. <laughs> ooh, things. 
A shadow of a home. giant bat descends across uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> she goes home to her grandmother, puts on a record, says hello to two people outside that are going on a date. Then that scene's over. Yeah, I guess there was a thing that Charlie Chaplin originally, there was going to be a whole thing about this phonograph about how because she's blind, she loves music. And so Chaplin's character was going to like spend all of his money buying different records for her. And mm. that was something that I guess he had shot some of and got rid of, but that kind of explains why, like, they kind of make a meal out of the fact that she's messing oh, around with this photograph. Oh, man, this movie could have been longer. I know, oh. it could have been, like... Shucks. We were robbed. <laughs> we were robbed of that hot record buying <laughs> You know subplot. what we were robbed of? There might have been a certain point where, like, even Charlie Chaplin was sitting there watching dailies of all this footage he had shot of characters in the silent film listening to music, which would be completely... <laughs> useless to a silent film audience mm-hmm. yeah. anyway so that, that scene ends and it's night time some guy's walking down to a river uh, <laughs> this guy pulling... looks a little like Wario he's got a big nose and he's totally yeah. got Wario's mustache where it's sticking mm-hmm. out from his face okay so uh, I'll try to remember to read his lines in Wario ah! voice <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's got, he, got, he got a suitcase and he pulls a rope a rock and a rope out of it. Yeah, ties it around his neck. The tramp comes down as the stairs. I do love the guy travels with his own suicide kit. Yeah, yeah. Watches him for a little bit, realizes what he's doing, and then stops him. Tells him not to do it. Tomorrow the birds will sing. Be brave. Face life. And he says, "No, I'll end it all." <laughs> and throws the rope around his neck. But instead of getting it around his neck, oh no, he got it around the tramp's neck instead. Oh no, what happened? Uh, he throwed the rock in the river and the tramp flies in. Oh, no, and there's eight minutes of them pulling each other out of the river and then pulling the other person into the river and then pushing and then them back out. out. Just like... And in and out. And wet and wet and wet. I mean, I guess maybe this is Charlie Chaplin discovering that water is wet, and so he's got yeah. to make a big fucking meal out of it, so... so but oh, then it, man. Eventually, they, they both get on the shore, and the drunk guy says, I'm a cured! You're my friend for life! I mean, the guy has accumulated a lot of coins. He does. It does turn out that he's a millionaire. <laughs> yep. He's a gonna win! <laughs> so he said, <laughs> We'll go home and get warmed up! So they leave. I'm blowing the fuck out of my recording. <laughs> That's totally fine. Uh, uh. So they leave. Chaplin's be careful not to leave the flower behind that he was smelling when he was watching this guy try to kill himself. Mm-hmm. So they go to the drunk man's house. He's got a mansion. He's got a butler and everything. And they come inside, and a drunk guy asks the butler, Any news? And only that your wife sent for her baggage, sir. Good! So they start drinking shots. Oh, I forgot they that they even mentioned that, like, yes, yeah, so why he doesn't have a wife. He's just like this, like, rich bachelor living by himself, which yeah, is even so more Wario esque. Yeah, yeah. They start drinking. Where the joke is that the drunk guy holds the bottle sideways and pours it down the front of the tramp's pants, and he doesn't notice. He he like pours like three bottles of booze down <laughs> worth down his pants too. Yep. And like, so now Charlie yeah. Chaplin's dick is pickled. And he sits down, right. and the butler tries to tries to keep him from sitting down and getting the couch wet, and he gets back up mm-hmm. again, and he the the and then the, the 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 millionaire dunks more, even more booze down his pants, and it becomes a whole process, and yeah, yeah, and they get drunk and sit down, and tr- the tramp hits his head on the piano keys before stumbling into a recliner, and then the drunk grabs a gun and is gonna kill himself again, but the tramp stops him yet one more time, and then it goes off and it scares him. 
And it actually I mean, produces could... a sound. Like, I forgot that this was actually technically a sound film for a while there. Like, yeah. Mm. But the drunk decides he'll live, and they'll go out of the town and party it up. So they go to a dance hall where everybody's just flip flopping around, just <laughs> doing old timey dumb well, not white people they dancing. Make a meal out of the fact that, like, yeah, I was kind of joking about this before, but that the dance dance hall floor is super slippery, which I guess is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, but yeah, Charlie Chaplin eventually drags himself to like the chair. To, well, yeah, they yeah they walk in and they they walk across the floor and apparently. For whatever reason, Charlie Chaplin can't stand on the floor, even though nobody else has problems with it. Oh, I thought they were setting up some dance gags that were coming up, but that never really happens. No. Yeah. Because that would be too... That that would be bucking expectations of what the joke might be, and we can't have that. You need to see the joke coming from a mile away in this movie. Uh... So, there's uh, some really great jokes of Chaplin trying to light a cigar... But for some reason, the drunk guy keeps absentmindedly putting his cigar in front of Chaplin. Like the butt end in, in this Chaplin's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Until he eventually flips it and puts the lit end in, into Chaplin's mouth. And like Chaplin's like, oh, 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 oh. yeah. Yeah. But there is a cigarette girl uh, that Chaplin eventually waves down and she gives him a cigar. But then he, he, he keeps on trying to light it, but he ends up confusing his cigar with the, the million mm-hmm. with Wario's. And yeah. there's just shenanigans that goes on for, like, yeah, five minutes. Yep, and eventually the cigar girl lights his cigar. Well, this is one of those things in the commentary again. <laughs> the guy was talking about how this is such a classic bit. Like, this is such, uh, like, an so infamously, I'm like... <laughs> I guess, that's you could, before that's the invention of electricity, trust... this would be a huge bit, but, yeah. That's why you can never trust film majors' opinions on film. You know what, at a certain point, because, like, Film majors are like stuck in a box with their own farts for so long that they believe <laughs> mm-hmm. their own bullshit. Like, they, they, I'm not saying that this can, this this bit can't be funny or wasn't funny back in the day. But when people are just because they've read about how legendary this bit is in a thousand other books, like it kind of like uh, inflates artificially inflates like how hilarious this bit is. I'm like I said, I'm sure people laughed at it back in the day, but it's not like it should not be lauded as like this. Like, oh my god, can anything ever top the Cigar switching pit from City Lights. It's like, yeah, no, lots well, of things are. So this have. came out in 1931, right? Yeah. Animal Crackers came out a year before that, and that's a shit ton funny. There's cra- like if you're just talking about physical humor, yeah, that's the, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is like by 19, like we, we we've done a decent number of silent films now, uh, although we've really like in the large scale things for better scratched the surface, but still we've done some Buster Keaton, we've done some. Uh, Harold Lloyd and stuff like that, and we 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 kind of like got a vague sense for like what was going on in nineteen uh, in the silent film stuff, and like yeah, to see that like this film is still just kind of just doing that same shtick. It's like yeah, come but on, how, man, how can you go from how I mean I'm a little biased because I love him so much, but how can you go from how funny the Marx Brothers are in 1930 yeah. to the old tired jokes in this? Yeah. And it's it's just really, I guess, Chaplin had just bought it into his own shtick and didn't want to deviate from it. It's always got to be like, like, yeah. I mean, not to say the Marx Brothers had perfected all of comedy by then or anything, but it's still just... And it's not like it, Chaplin would have been done better just to, like, emulate, to start emulating the Marx Brothers, but it's just in terms of, like, the staging and the setting and the pacing, the Marx Brothers have blown him away so much, it's ridiculous. And part of the thing, too, like, when when I was thinking about how much this movie kind of disappointed me, too, I had to think about how we're kind of ruined on this kind of comedic 
comedy staging because we grew up with like Looney Tunes and things like that, which those cartoons were informed by stuff like this. Like those, the creators of the Looney Tunes would see stuff like this and like, okay, we can take a gag like that, but strip it down. So it's to to its bare components, making them funnier and faster. And so it re like take a five minute gag, like the cigar gag. We get this turn into a, like a five second gag in the middle of a Bugs Money cartoon with a thousand other gags piled on top of that. And that's kind of the stuff we grew up on. So of course this is going to seem like extra old timey and stagey and funky in, in comparison to that. But still, yeah, but yeah, as but you point out, compared to the stuff that was being made at the same time, this was even before this, it's still just like, ah, oh. yeah. Yeah, I just feel like it's, I mean, you could argue that like they're taking their time with the jokes yeah. and Which, writing them out, so that. you get yeah. you get uh, quantity or, or quality over quantity, but the the quality isn't even up to snuff. But when you were just repeating the same gag like six times in a row of, oh, the guy's just pushing a cigar from his face and putting it in into Chaplin's face, it's hilarious, and just like, okay, we got this literally the first three times it happened, you don't have to keep on doing it again, it's like, ugh, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, anyway, 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 uh, he gets his cigar lit by the cigar girl, and immediately throws it into the air, it lands on a chair, some lady sits on it, her ass catches on fire, so he slaps the back of her, and then sprays her with seltzer, which, there's smoke pouring off of her, and the fact he tried to put her out Obviously, is super offensive to her husband, who him and the tramp almost get in a fight, and it's fucking hilarious. And um, let's see, where am I? I thought this I was just... going to be the start of like seltzer gags had to be a thing before this, right? This is not like the first time someone's mm -hmm. like made use of the seltzer bottle in it. Oh, I'm sure that shit's from vaudeville. Yeah, exactly. So I, again, we he he picks up that seltzer bottle, and I thought that was going to be a thing, but no, it's just yeah. Yeah, and then some hot, it's super fresh chair swapping comedy, where somebody oh, for, pulls yeah. a chair to sit down in, and that person, the other person, sit, falls on the floor, and that keeps going for a while. And then, uh, I fucking hate old people, man. I fucking <laughs> suddenly, hate some something makes everybody be like, "Yay!" and they throw a bunch of I don't know, streamers, I guess, in the air. Yeah, like, just like what well, the thing is too is the way like everyone's like decked out for this party and all the decorations. I thought it was like a New Year's Eve party, but this is just what all the parties in this film are just depicted as being no matter what night yeah, it is. This is this is just what people with money did during the depression. They were <laughs> yeah, like, well, "Yay, we're not poor in the streets." Yeah, we're just going to have lots of curly paper streamers all over the place and yeah, it's all kind of little yeah. party hats and whistles so there's, and stuff. There's, there's curly streamers hanging everywhere from the ceiling, and they bring over a plate of spaghetti for the tramp and the drunk guy to eat. Which I, I, I was thinking... I don't Yeah. what could happen here? Like, well, these curly like, streamers hanging next to his head. Partner was thinking, like, wow, that's actually kind of cool that at, at a booze-filled dance hall, like, just getting a big-ass spaghetti meal seems like, that sounds actually kind of nice. And I was like, oh, of course, it's, because, like, it's, the, the spaghetti is, like, comically big, fat, thick noodles, too? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's kind of weird-looking spaghetti. And I was like, oh, I see it, like, the moment, like, the the, the streamers, and I'm like, oh, I, I, I get it. I, nah, yeah. yeah. So he's trying to eat his spaghetti, but he happens to start eating one of the streamers hanging from the ceiling. And he eats it for five minutes. <laughs> just to drive home the point, the guy's looking at him. Wario's just like, and just, yeah. <laughs> oh. and eventually stops him eating it. and You know what? Then... This, this movie would actually make a pretty good ten minute short film. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, if you cut all the jokes down to their... their 
bare essential form. Yeah, you could actually make a good, like, Looney Tunes short out of this movie, but... Yeah, just yeah. re-edit it. Come on. Oh, speaking of re-editing, did you see that, uh, going back to last week's episode about Psycho, did you see that link I sent you? Oh, yeah, but the, they edited, uh, the two Psychos together? Yeah, um, uh, Steven Soderbergh edited the two Psychos together into, uh, uh, cohesive, like, film. What'd you think about you it? Did you actually watch website. much of it? Uh, I got... How far did I get? About half an hour. Oh, yeah? It's weird. It's really weird. I Don't still need to check it. I, I, yeah, that, I, I can't believe he would waste his time doing that, but that definitely sounds interesting. It sounds like a better yeah. way of, like, uh, if you're gonna have to watch anything from the from the remake at all, that seems to be, like, the most interesting way to go about it. Especially yep, having re- just watched the original. The Psycho but... remake. Most famous for showing off Anne Hache's butthole. R- Wait, what? <laughs> when she falls down in the shower after she's murdered, you can see her butthole. So I guess it's not really a shot-for-shot shot remake, just kind of... Not so much, no. <laughs> I like how we were all, like, complimenting Hitchcock for, like, managing to get away without showing, like, any butt crack, but, like, I don't know if I've ever seen a woman's butthole in a major motion <laughs> picture, much less a remake of a classic. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, Little Women, there were a couple buttholes, but... Oh, there's there were a lot of buttholes. Uh, you, more than women. you'd think that... in a PG-rated 1990s... I mean, it starts with that... that... Bread that's just a big anus. Susan Sarandon puts it on the table and says, This is my butthole from which we eat. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the butthole bread. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, oh. that's comedy gold of him eating a bunch of curly paper happens. And then two dancers come in. They look like they're fighting, or are they dancing? I don't know. According it's to the unclear. commentary, this is a legendary, well-known form of dancing where the dude pretends to be a French pimp and the lady has her pretend to be a Parisian whore and he beats her up on the... I, according to the commentary, everyone would, would know what this dance is. Like, this was a known art form. A woman beating, being beaten by a man on the dance floor. And so the joke is that, like any sane human being, have, Trump takes his. I, I have been in the dance world since <laughs> 1989, and I have never heard about the the French pimp beating his 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 lady. I'm dance. sure that has happened in the world, but like, yeah, again, this is kind of like, yeah, f- uh, film film historian is huffing his own farts. Like, just because your, your your film book that is explaining this what-the-fuck moment in this film tries to make this dance seem like this well-known thing that everyone knows about, like, that's that, that doesn't automatically make it a thing. Like, yeah, I mean, oh, but yeah. So the tramp jumps up and tries to defend her by starting a fight. I don't Justifiably know. Justifiably so in this case. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, it's a terrible joke. Because, like, a quote-unquote part of the dance is... The, the the dude throwing the lady on the ground, the lady being like, oh my god, and you really would think that, like, the, yeah. what the fuck is this? But they, don't worry, the band kicks in and everybody starts dancing. <laughs> yeah, end of scene, the, great, yeah. As soon as the band Nothing starts, means everybody leaps film. up from their tables and starts dancing. And the tramp <sighs> wants to dance, so he grabs some random dude's wife and spins in circles with her. And then he swaps to a waiter carrying a bunch of shit and spins with him until that guy falls over without spilling his tray. I Seen did over. notice that, like, you can, if you look, you can tell that not only the dishes are glued to, 
together, but like one of the plates is like tied to, oh, there's a dish. No, there's like silverware like tied to some of the plates or something like that. I just thought it was an interesting craftsmanship of the, of the prop that you can see if you're really paying attention to the dishes in his hand. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, that speaks to how fascinated I was by the scene that that was the only thing I was really paying attention to was like, how did the dishes not fall off the waiter's uh, tray table when he was knocked over by the, the tramp? Yeah. And that scene. And then it's early morning, homeward bound. So they climb in the drunk's car and drive on sidewalks and all over the road and all over the place. Yeah, I guess this, this is the one bit that wasn't shot on the back lot. This is actually, you actually do get a catch a glimpse of actual like 1930 era downtown Los Angeles in this scene, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny to think that they must have just gone out early like on a Sunday morning when no one was out in the streets and like, yeah, driving up on the curves and shit. Well, because, yeah, Wario, he's driving, but he's still drunk. And so... Uh, Charlie Chaplin well, trying tramp- to wrestle the, 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 the steering Well, he wheel. says, be careful how you're driving, and he, the Wario goes, I'm a driving! <laughs> and then they swap seats, and that scene ends. I mean, you know what? To, to, to bring the Wario thing home, I mean, this is a little bit like a live-action double, uh, oh god, what was the double game? Dash. Not Double Dare, Double Dash. Yeah. yeah. Only Charlie Chaplin had been throwing turtle shells out the back of their Model T car. Mm-hmm. Well, he probably would have been, it would have been more period appropriate for banana peels. Yeah, banana peels. Something racist. Uh, something racist. There's a black uh, guy who shows up in this movie, and I'm not honestly shocked there wasn't any racial humor about that guy being in this film. Yeah. Yeah. The tramp drops uh, the rich guy off and remarks on how much he likes the car, so Wario says, You can keep it! In a very un Wario like move. <laughs> yes. So he goes inside. Uh, but the butler doesn't let the tramp in, who hangs around outside and sees a flower girl work by. And the rich guy tells the f- butler to let his friend in, because he's his guest. So the tramp goes inside and says, let's buy some flowers. So the rich guy gives him some money. He runs outside, buys all the girl's flowers for $10, and tells her not to worry about the change. He takes her to the arm, leads her to the car. Uh, he gives the flowers to the butler and tells her to take them inside. He'll be back later. And they go for a drive. I'm sure she will enjoy the sights of racing around in a car. So, I, right. you know, at least she benefits from the, like the nice sensation of the hair in her, of the wind in her hair. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah a little bit lost on her. Oh, yeah. He takes her home. She thanks him for his kindness, and he kisses her hand and asks if he may see her home again. And she says, "Whenever you wish, good sir." And she goes in her house, and he swoons. And then a cat knocks a pot on his head. And the most kind of like, yeah, I, that's a thing that could happen. I guess they needed a button to the scene, so that was it. Well, that's not the button to the scene. Oh, no. Then, it's, oh, yeah? Then he stands on a barrel to peep in her window. Oh, that's right. But isn't this uh, when he finds out that she's sick? No. A fat man comes out of the apartment under her apartment, and then the, tra- the tramp spills the barrel that he was standing of water all over the fat man. He runs away and gets, gets in the car and drives. That's how it ends, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously like the the blind girl. Uh, she lives in an alleyway that is obviously just the repurposed alleyway from the the, the kid. Yeah, it's, it's it's like this archway at the end of this like blind alley. It's it totally can tell it's a, it's it's the Chaplin Studio backlot here, and everything looks like it's made out of paper mache. That's the big dig giveaway for anything that's filmed on the backlot. Mm. Then uh, that sober dawn awakens a different man. So the drunk guy, Ready. our Wario. Wakes up on the couch. Uh, the tramp rings the doorbell, and Wario says he's out to everybody. To his, he tells his brother that, 
And a tramp is an asshole and tries to force his way in, but is kicked out. So I don't remember he, that. He uh, sees somebody walking by smoking a cigarette or cigar or something, and he wants to smoke too. So he hops in his car and goes into the city, where he pushes another tramp over who is about to grab a cigar butt from the ground, just so he can grab the cigar butt and smoke it when he drives back drives back to the... Yeah, because I guess the, you can take the what tramp a out, of scamp. The, out of the street, but you can't take the street out of the tramp. Yeah. yeah. Yep, what a lovable scamp, pushing over other homeless people for a cigar well, butt. Well, he's, he's still technically a tramp. He just was gifted a car. But the, it yeah. doesn't make him not an asshole. That guy found it first. Don't be a douche. Turns out, actually, this is not even shot for the film. This is an outtake of actually Charlie Chaplin just being a fucking miser about a fucking cigarette butt that he found. And yeah, that was actually a real homeless person. He kicked over to get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he gets back to the rich guy's house, but the rich guy doesn't recognize him as he's coming out and gets in the car and drives off without even Which I thought this was a nice touch. Like, I was kind of wondering, like, how... Uh, Chaplin be suddenly becoming uh, friends with the millionaire wasn't going to suddenly solve all of his problems, but this is it it's because the guy is only friendly and only recognizes Charlie Chaplin when he's drunk. Yeah, which the whole movie kind of leans on for the rest of the film, just as the big plot point. Yeah, a uh, quick scene of the uh, the the flower girl, the blind girl, telling her grandma that the the rich man bought all her flowers, and but he's more than just wealthy. Uh, he's nice. I. I guess something, and, something, and just the, yeah, just and then that scene ends. Yeah, uh, I guess the grandma is only one year older than Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin was forty, <laughs> forty-one when he made this film, and yeah, that's kind of fucked up. Nice. Here's Charlie Chaplin is like, like again trying to play her. You know, someone is trying to get into the blind girl's pants, but like someone his own no. age is like playing her grandmother is kind of fucked up. This, this is gonna sound more complimentary than I mean it to be. <laughs> yeah, but is. Is Woody Allen the Charlie Chaplin of his time? Yeah, I guess so, in terms of just being, like, a pedophile. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have, I'm not even I trying to, like, never, throw rocks, but I'm just, yeah. I've never seen any Woody Allen movies, but I feel like unless you're from the era that came out, you wouldn't enjoy them, which yeah. I feel is the same way with Charlie Chaplin. Well, and then, yeah, especially with Woody Allen stuff. I mean, I've seen Sleepers, which is a science fiction movie, which actually isn't that bad. But, like, mm-hmm. so much of it is is about him just, like, if you're, an, an, like, a neurotic upper white class person from New York, I think there's a lot to get from his films, I guess. But, like, if you're anyone else, I don't see how you watch a Woody Allen film and not just kind of go, okay. Yeah, I, not to say I, that... Oh, I hear that in Woody Allen movies, New York is like a character of itself. <laughs> Boy, I think you're the first person to say that. You should write a documentary <laughs> about Woody Allen. Mm, yeah, th- yeah, I mean, not, not to say that all films... Not, I, I hate to be that reductive, but generally, mm. though, like, Woody Allen has made so many fucking films, and every time I've tried to watch one, it's about, like, the same... I mean, granted, he's made a lot of films about other people, like, and stuff. It's not always New York, but it's always that very specific sensibility and that perspective all the time. He doesn't seem to be able to think outside of himself. Do you think it would benefit from Woody Allen not being in Woody Allen movies? Yeah, well, exactly, yeah, because it, it always has come down to Woody Allen trying to fuck, f- like, fuck at, like, an 18-year-old. No matter what yeah. the hell's going on in the plot, it's just like, mm. Like, I've never seen a Woody Allen movie, but I don't really care to. Yeah, I would be tempted to try to watch more, like, I should probably check out Annie Hall and a couple of those other big ones just before I write them off officially, but... The ones I have seen and the bits and pieces I've seen, I've, I've been so unimpressed that, like, I don't see why people are, like, 
wringing of their hands so much about, like, dare we discredit Woody Allen for being a pedophile? Look at all these treasures of cinema we will lose respect for. And I'm like, <sighs> again, maybe it's because I, like, I grew up taking that guy's works for granted, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not seeing anything here that's so precious that we can't afford just to kick the curb because the guy who made it's a piece of shit. Not to say that just because someone's a piece of shit, we should just automatically disregard their works. Like, like I said, Charlie Chaplin was a piece of shit, and I'm not saying people should like disregard his works because all kinds of horrible people well, make things I love. But yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like we should discredit his works because he's a piece of shit. That's something Charlie Chaplin's a piece of shit, and he also not, made more stuff that on top. Funny and kind of boring. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that more. <laughs> it's one thing if you find out Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka makes the best candy in the world, but it turns out he eats children. Mm. At least. At least if you choose to ignore the Heats children stuff, you're getting something out of the fact that like, he makes really good candy. But if yeah. he also makes shitty-ass candy and eats babies, then look, why are you, <laughs> what's, what's the discussion here? Why are we mm-hmm. even worried about saying, fuck this guy, put him in a box and ship him to Nebraska? Like, yeah, so. That's Woody Allen. That is, uh, so far, <laughs> that is kind of Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot that could be said. Like, he doesn't even have the... I don't feel like he's as good physical comedian as uh, uh, the other guy. Oh, Buster shit. Keaton? Harold Lloyd? Yeah, Buster Keaton. Or Harold Lloyd. And we've only done one Harold Lloyd movie, and even Harold Lloyd was like, I'm gonna put myself on a clock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I it's, know, it's, yeah. Mm, I don't know. ABC All-Star Saturday continues after these messages. Do you mind if I talk to you about diarrhea? I, I just want to say two words about it. Pepto-Bismol. Pepto-Bismol controls common diarrhea. It relieves that misery and the nausea that you can get along with. Pepto-Bismol coats, soothes, it protects. It relieves that nausea. Makes you feel an awful lot better. Next time you get common diarrhea, you'll thank me for the Pepto-Bismol. And now, back to the Muppet Babies. But anyway, in town, the rich guy's drunk again. Him and the tramp run into each other. They're friends yet once more. Yeah. And there's a big party at night uh, at the the drunk guy's house. Chaplin goes there. He's hanging out. Some guy's about... He blows a whistle, and somebody hits him. He swallows the whistle. And now he's got the hiccups. And every time he hiccups, it makes a whistle sound. This is interesting, because, like, this is... I mean, Chaplin does not want to indulge in, in like, dialogue-based comedy, but this is this is an extended gag that wouldn't work if this were a truly silent film, which is interesting. It's so extended. <laughs> it is actually... I did think this is actually probably the most actual, like, like actual funny thing in this movie to me, but it I've seen this in so many other so times long. in other movies and stuff. Granted, they were probably oh. ripping this scene off, but yeah, he's burping, he's hiccuping every time he makes any kind of movement or sound. He's like just whistling. Some guy is trying to sing, and he keeps getting interrupted by the whistle. Yeah, and it takes Charlie Chaplin like ten minutes before he finally gets up and goes outside. Mm-hmm. And of course, the whistle attracts a bunch of dogs, <laughs> which is kind of cute because it's dogs. But... <laughs> yeah, you can't get mad at dogs. <laughs> Uh, dogs didn't know what they were doing. Dogs didn't know what they signed up for when they they signed the contract to be in this film. He also attracts a taxi who apparently thought he was whistling for a taxi. Yeah. And he goes back inside and brings the dogs with him, and then the scene ends. And the next morning, he wakes up in bed next to the the uh, 
the drunk guy, and uh, who once again is sober and doesn't recognize the tramp and has his butler throw him out of his bedroom. I'm kind of surprised since... they didn't do a gag where like he's dressed like in his wife's nightie or something like that. There's some kind of like you know like mm. or like her bed cap or something. Just be like woo, just like an extra bit of twist of like gender weirdness with him. Like you know, yeah, he's he's taking his wife's spot in his bed, but yeah. But, and since the Trump is an asshole, he fights tooth and nail to not get kicked out. <laughs> We've both called him the Trump now. How, did I? Whoops. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the 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 rich guy's going to be out of the movie for conveniently for a while because he's sailing to Europe that afternoon. Oh, is that no, how no. they explain it? Because now there has yeah, to be actual plot uh, except, again. Except he's back in the the the, uh, the uh, in this location in like a couple days or maybe a week. Yeah. Or something. Maybe the guy got which, confused. Which he sailing like, to Europe took quite a while back then. Maybe "quote unquote" Europe is "quote unquote" code for like I got to sail to Long Island. <laughs> like yeah. he's confused. Yeah, the guy does mm. get drunk and make weird decisions. So who knows? Maybe he started sailing for Europe, got drunk, and then accidentally like crashed like into fucking Staten Island or something. Yeah. So after he's kicked out, Tramp goes to see the Flower Girl. She's not in her normal spot. Oh no! So he rushes to her house, and Creeper peeps into her window. Oh, uh, that's the scene, yeah, where it's a rare oh, camera no! move for Chaplin too, because the camera actually lifts up, and it's weird because he shouldn't have a direct line of sight to her bedroom, because like we see her his perspective, but then the perspective of the camera has to like dolly around like a ninety degree corner to see her in her bed with her grandma and a doctor. Oh no, she's sick. She got a fever and needs careful attention. She got the cooties. So, so determined to get help, he gets a job. Wait, why? Why the fuck wasn't he didn't have a job if he was it could get one? Well, you know, he he was only living for himself. Now he's invested. Now he's got a goal. You know, he's got mm. someone he wants to look after. Even though this now person doesn't a, know that he's alive. Now he's got a sweet horse shit off the ground. <laughs> Which yeah, um, this was back in the days where there were enough horses around it. Somebody had to clean up their shit. I guess they. I guess they really dished. Did did just use big ass metal shovels? I thought there would be at least yeah. like like if you're a street sweeper, especially shit picker upper. I thought there would be at least a little more of a scoop or something like that, or like a brush. Or but no, this is just yep. take a shovel just, to the horse shit. Just horses walking around everywhere. Yeah, and, and then apparently also elephants. Elephant. Elephants too, because why not? Which I'm kind of surprised the they didn't make more of a meal. I mean, maybe this is well, this is pre code. They could have made this joke. But like yeah. you could have, I thought the joke was gonna be because like he's he's he picks up a little bit of horse shit and you don't even specifically see it. you just see like there's a little bit of dirt and he walks over sweeps something up and throws it in the can and then there's like mm-hmm. yeah a bunch of uh, police horses kind of go by and I thought there was gonna be a thing of like him going oh shit now I have to clean that up too and then the elephant comes by and you <laughs> think that's gonna be more of a thing but I guess it's like left to the the, the audience's imagination like what he's gonna have to do because he doesn't even react to those things it's yeah. just kind of like a thing that happens and the scene ends yeah. Which that scene ends. Yeah. They get, then, yeah oh no! Grandma got a note saying that if she doesn't pay twenty two dollars in rent, she's gonna get her ass kicked out of the house. Hot drama. What will happen? Which twenty two dollars in nineteen thirty? Man, that was that's a decent amount, chunk of change. Yeah. And then the blind girl's like, "Grandma, he's coming over today." And the blind girl feels her grandma's face and is like, what's wrong? Because she's got tears on her face and shit. And grandma's like, nothing's wrong. I'm just drooling a bunch. I was thinking about a sandwich <laughs> I had two weeks ago. I'm sorry. I'm just bleeding from my eyes. Don't think that's tears. <laughs> Nothing bad's happened. I'm not going to tell you about this thing that you could help prevent from happening tomorrow yeah. morning. 
Well, yeah, especially because Grandma says nothing's wrong and hides the letter inside a book because it'd be really tragic if her blind granddaughter accidentally read it. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> you just skewered this movie! <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I hate sites like CinemaSins and the 101 things about the wrong with this movie, but that is actually, that, that's one right there. <laughs> She could have stapled it to her chest and been like, don't worry about it, wear this brooch. As long as she wasn't tricked into reading the text out loud to her daughter. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. I didn't uh. even think about that. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, what the hell's wrong with Grandma? Is this how she's gonna fix the situation? Is that how, like, the granddaughter got born in the first place? Because, like, the doctor came over and, like, oh, we got eye drops for this baby, otherwise it's gonna go blind. And then, like, the grandma just hide the baby in a cupboard until the doctor mm-hmm. went away because she just didn't want to, like, oh, yeah, I just... Yeah, way to go, Grandma. Yep. Ugh. So the blind girl's like, Grandma, I wish you'd meet him. you never hear when he calls. And she's like, well, shit, I gotta go make some cash down on the corner. Work my... Work it. Work it, girl. Work it so right. That's booty so big. That booty too fine. (laughs) And it's lunchtime. Uh, At his job, scooping horse shit, the tramp washes his hand with some guy's cheese. That guy eats the soap that the tramp misplaced with the cheese and the soap and yells bubbles at the tramp who laughs at him. That's exactly what happens, yeah. And he leaves, and his boss tells him to be back on time. And and to play the part of a gentleman without the millionaire was difficult, but he did his best. So the tramp goes to her house, shows off an orange that he got from a grocery bag, a cult of flower, a dead goose or duck or bird of some kind, just his head flopping around. Yeah, it really does make a meal out of, like, flopping it around and everything. It looks pretty gross. Mm -hmm. He sure knows how to make the lady swoon. So... He reads her the paper where he sees Vienna doctor has cure for blindness. Thousands journey from all parts of the world. Free operation for the poor. <laughs> Miraculous work of surgeon astounds medical's profession. And, and knowing how dump truck stupid people were back then when this movie came out, I wonder how many people were given the false hope that blindness was cured and was seeking this doctor out in Vienna. Well, maybe it's, well, that was, hmm. How many, how many of these blind people actually made it there? If they're all traveling to Vienna, none of them can see. Uh, assuming that any of these people actually even read the newspaper article, could read the newspaper article about this, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's... And where in the last hundred years has this miraculous cure for blindness gone? I'm assuming there must be just something, like, slightly chemically wrong with their eyes, because I can't imagine what delicate surgery that the, the surgeon could be doing. To, I mean, this is neither here. It's just a plot device. We're not supposed to really be worrying about it, but... Yeah, and there's so a she's... whole thing about how, um... I guess the blind girl in this movie is supposed to be uh, kind of a stand-in for uh, Chaplin's mom who died when... Who, she died while he was writing this film. And uh, there's a lot of people who think that this magical cure for blindness is kind of a metaphor for how he wished he could have helped fixed his mom who like lost her mind when he was little and then got sick and deranged and got even more fucked up as she got older and stuff like that. So yeah, mm. it is definitely like wish fulfillment, but yeah, 
it works fine. This movie's supposed to be, it's a, like a flight of fancy romance. It works fine. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, shit, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd finally be able to see you. And he's like, oh, man. <laughs> Woo. Oh, man. Maybe oh. not. <laughs> I mean, all the things, let, I mean, aside from the shabby that. clothes, it's not, like, it's not like the tramp's a fucking train wreck, but, I mean, he's not, he he's does, not tall well, and dashing, he's, but... He does spend five hours every day drawing on his eyebrows. He is, like, three decades older than her. That might be more of the thing than <laughs> yeah. anything, like, like about his looks specifically or anything. Yeah. yeah. God. He's so gonna find out he's he a holds, She hands a bu- bundle of yarn to him. And he holds it for her, and she starts winding it into a ball. But it's not the yarn that she's winding up. It's something from him. It's unclear because it's, she's I pulling don't... it from his vest, but his vest doesn't unravel, and he's still wearing his shirt after she pulls everything out. According to the commentary, it's supposed to be his underwear that's unraveling, which is why he like, sits a little bit weird the moment after she starts pulling on the string, but there's nothing in the film to suggest that. Also, is he just wearing like crocheted underwear? Apparently. <laughs> yes. But again, this goes on for five minutes until it yep. stops and then it ends and that's it. And well, there's no, it, like... it goes, well, it goes on for three and a half minutes. We get three seconds of her grandma sitting on the corner trying to sell flowers. And then it's back to the yarn winding scene. I honestly may two, have fallen asleep. I don't even minutes. remember seeing. I, I, I saw this movie twice this morning. I don't remember that shot of the granny on the corner. That's because if you blink, you miss it. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, the Trump, the Trump, man, the tramp, <laughs> fine, he happens to open a, the book that the eviction notice is hit in, and he's like, hey, I'll read it to you, and then he reads it without reading it first, and it makes her cry. So, that is shocking. So then he says not to worry about it, and then he'll pay it first thing in the morning. Nothing like promises you don't know if you could keep. Yeah. So he rushes back to his job. <laughs> also, he does point out that Grandma's a bitch for not, not like, why Grandma just stuffed this in a book that you couldn't see? What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. He rushes back to his job, but he's late for the last time and gets fired. So, but that, he, where he got fired from just happens to be next Very to a boxing arena. Yeah. And some guy asks him if he wants to make some easy money. <laughs> that night? He's sitting in the locker room with boxing gloves on the wrong hands because this guy's dumb as fucking dirt and doesn't know how thumbs work. That's one of those things where, like, like most of the f- the, the 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 sight gags in these films come from like, yeah, you, there's there's a suspension of disbelief, but like, there's sort of kind of logic to it where you know, obviously that's not how things work in real life, but like, yeah, suddenly like Chaplin's just suddenly forgotten how f- how gloves work in general. <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah. the thumb's gone on the outside movie. of your Fuck hand, Charlie right? Chaplin. Uh. <laughs> so some guy helps him put him on the correct hands, and so the, the chaplain's like, "Remember, we split fifty-fifty, and you promise you won't hurt me." And that guy's like, "Be careful, my the boss might hear." So the tramp goes and gets a drink of water. And while he does, some telegram guy comes in, gives that guy a telegram, and. Uh, tells him to tells him to get out of town because the cops are after him. So that guy pieces the fuck out. Yeah, and specifically, this is the guy that Chaplin just brokered to deal with the split the the purse fifty fifty, and now that guy yeah. is just bolted. Yeah, which, uh, if I was that guy, I would have beat the fuck out of Chaplin <laughs> and just taken the fifty dollars. I mean, there's because no reason look why at him. Really couldn't. What's Chaplin gonna do? Stand look. up and tell the audience like, oh, oh hey, we you, fixed the fight beforehand. Well, I'm being robbed tra- of my money. 
you're a trained boxer. This yeah. guy's obviously never boxed a day in his life. Just punch him in the That's face. What and I don't take understand the money. what the benefit to the boxer was supposed to be. Like, I don't see why he just because this is. I mean, this is essentially what the guy who comes in next says is like, "Fuck you." This this is my whole purse. Like, why? Like, yeah, why? I don't understand. Like, yep. maybe he, like Chaplin can promise to go down with the first punch, so the guy doesn't work quite as hard to win the money. But then he loses half of it. I it's just I don't. And there's no universe in which that original deal. That's that the the tramp and brokered makes any sense, but yeah. Yep. Well, so I guess boss, comedy's the, not supposed to make sense, but it's the just boss, the laziness of this film just piles and piles up yeah, more and more. It does. So the boss grabs some random guy walking by and asks him, "You want to fight for a fifty dollar purse? Winner take it all." Uh, he does. So so, Chaplin sees uh, a black guy doing superstitious stuff like rubbing a rabbit's foot on him, kissing a horseshoe, and all stuff like that. So. Chaplin does the same thing because he doesn't want to lose because he can't. He does this guy. He looks. He sure looks tough. Question mark. And the guy's got a mean face, but he's like the same size as Chaplin. I mean, I, he's got like the, he's the got a is not very to mean be pugilist. He's got a very mean comb over. Yeah, but that's it. It's not like this guy's super ripped or anything like that. This is not Rocky versus Ivan Drago or anything. Yeah. So. The, the tramp mentions to the other guy that if they take he takes it easy, they can split the pot. But that guy doesn't like the idea and wants winner take all. Yeah, justifiably and, so. And Fuck, especially with this fucking it, dickhead. This scene is very impressive, and how they manage to find all the boxers that are built like your neighbor's dad. That's hard to find. I guess they didn't invent muscles in LA until like 1965 or something. Like <laughs> nobody decided to try to get cut or anything. Everyone's got to be kind of doughy and pale and fleshy and just kind of built like Sam Rockwell. Yeah, yeah. There's no actual like muscle men. Yeah. So, uh, two of the boxers go out and then they come back in. The one that had been rubbing stuff on himself superstitiously is knocked out. So the tramp grabs a towel and wipes like where yeah, he tries to wipe the off the good luck he got from the rabbit's foot. Which, yeah, which to me was probably the best joke of the whole damn movie. Which, yeah, because it's like that's not how it works, but that's the humor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's cute enough. But, <laughs> waka waka waka. Man, come on. <laughs> so. Uh, the guy he's gonna fo- fight gets in an argument with the guy that just won that last round, uh, and punches him and knocks him out with one hit. Well, the big which... thing is, like, that guy's, like, seven feet tall, too. The, yeah. the guy who just knocked out the black guy, and now this other guy who is, like, Charles Ch- Charlie Chaplin's dad, practically, has knocked out this guy, like, twice as tall than either of them. And so that's, like, a real, mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. Yeah. Moment. So, that makes the tramp even more nervous. And then uh, the uh, they go out to the ring, and it's okay. And the bell is rung, and the tramp and that guy, the tramp tries to keep the referee between him and the other boxer, and it goes on forever. It's this is actually I really did think the choreography here was really clever, and I've seen this is the one thing I knew about this film before seeing it was yeah. this this is held up as one of the classic uh, Chaplin scenes, and the choreography is great, but. Again, it goes on for five minutes when you get the gist of it in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it kind of builds up a little bit where the the referee and the guy trying to beat up Charlie Chaplin get flip-flopped and there's some stuff going on. And Charlie Chaplin yeah. does like like a blank-ass like, headbutt thing where like, he, yeah, suddenly he there's a... Yeah, does a flying spear. Yeah, 
and like you can see the wire attached to charlie chaplin's back (laughs) that lets him do that it's not even they didn't even try to hide it which cracks me up nice uh, did that you notice days. that there's, like, fake stand-up people in the background of the scene? I did not. If you really look in the background, like, the upper tier of all uh, of all the people, it's just, like, stand-up painted people. Um, nice! I, it's, again, it's not really the point, but I thought it was kind of funny. But, yeah, so, it just, and there's a thing where Kelly Chaplin, he, he accidentally rings the bell, and then... Mm-hmm. Just all kinds of like he gets the, the 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 rope attached to the bell wrapped around his neck and almost chokes from it and yeah and rings the bell doing that yeah when he's sitting in the corner he imagines the 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 dot guy in the, his corner is the blind girl and kisses his hand a bunch and oh, I didn't even and, see that and more boxing happens they knock knock each other down and while the ref's counting one of them the other stands up and then that guy's there the fun stands up and he counts that one and the other guy falls over and stands up <laughs> and the ref's counting that one and it's, it's the bell is rung and it's and, and, and it's oh fuck it's oh, finally he gets knocked out yeah. no fifty dollars for him so he gets carried back to the locker room where they hang the gloves above his head at the table and all go away looking at him in disgust and he wakes up and one of the very soft boxing gloves falls on his head that weighs about a pound and a half yeah yep perfect comedy ending to a perfect comedy sketch man it's just. That's the thing, because I, like I said, I'd seen the opening clips from this from this fight scene before. I thought the, like things would build a little more crazily, and there'd be like some kind of crazy punchline, literally and figuratively, to this whole boxing match. But it just kind of peters out, and like I say, you get the joke of it thirty seconds in, but then it just keeps on going forever, and they kind of tie into the thing, like you know, it kind of builds up a little bit with. Uh, Chaplin trying to, as as the other guy kind of gets knocked down a little bit, trying to like force his shoulders down and stuff, and getting wrapped up in the 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 rope for the bell and just, but it's just all just kind of shapeless and just kind of keeps on dragging and there's no sense of escalation or form to this physical comedy. It's just like again, you think if the Marx Brothers did this, and I'm sure they probably have. I'm, I've seen Three Stooges do this the same thing better, where it's fucking Curly with the violin and or uh, it's Larry with the violin and Curly like. Yeah. Yeah. Monkey pants. The, I, yeah. the, the boxing scene from the Nintendo Three Stooges game <laughs> was better than this. Oh. So, back from Europe, and still hoping for him to get money for the girl, he wandered the city. And then the, the Wario's back from Europe, and he's oh, trying to get he, did, he, <laughs> he, had to, he had to be there for the groundbreaking of Warrior Wear Incorporated sorry, Factory. That's more Waluigi. I gotta get deeper. <laughs> for Wario. <laughs> Waluigi up here. Wario down here. Gotta get more. I might have been doing Waluigi accidentally this whole time. Oh, I don't Christ. Waluigi. <laughs> they're all, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of twins. It's, you know, like the difference between Mario and Luigi doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. So they, they run into each other and they ride off together in the drunk guy's car. And at the rich dude's place. There happens to be two burglars who hide. They once. just happen to be there. There's nothing setting yeah. up the fact that there would be burglars there, or like anyone's yeah. like looking to rob the rich guy. It's just yeah, yeah. It's stuff that can happen. Yep. It's just plot contrivances. Yep. And once they get there, they hide behind a curtain, and Chaplin and the guy start drinking. Except Chaplin's not drinking. Uh, I guess this is to show he's trying to be responsible. Yeah, so there's not... a moment where he takes the drink that the guy gives him and he just, like, throws it into his waistcoat, which I actually thought was a clever way, because I've been in that situation before where someone will hand me a shot and I don't want to drink it, but, like, you don't want to necessarily refuse it, but you don't want to, like, throw it into a potted plant and, like, in retrospect, I kind of wish I just didn't, I, I, like, especially if I was wearing a shirt I didn't care about, 
Or if I didn't care, like, smelling like booze for last night, yeah, I could have just <laughs> thrown it onto my jacket, but yeah. Yeah. That's neither here or there. I don't know why I thought that was clever or a good idea, but to Bill Mudger's imagination, I was like, I wish I thought of that before. Yeah. Well, considering earlier in the movie when he's given alcohol, he like rubs it on the back of his neck and dabs it on himself. Yeah. I guess. I guess back then, since alcohol was probably a luxury, it it was classy to smell like alcohol. I guess so. When did prohibition happen? This this is not uh, that right. That happened during Dick Tracy. Yeah, so that's like the 20s, I guess. Not into the Depression, I guess. Because, I mean, could you imagine the Depression happening and Prohibition happening, like, overlapping? Fucking people... Shit. <laughs> Things would have gotten real bad. Prohibition. How do you spell Prohibition? Prohibition. Okay. 1920 uh, and 1933. Uh, let's see. 1920 to 19- Oh, no! Prohibition was going on! Because it was from 1920 to 1933. Yeah. Oh, so this is illicit activities happening in this feature film. <laughs> Very naughty. It's so naughty. So the drunk guy, the Wario, says, Now don't worry about the girl. I'll take care of her. And, and says the drunk man who won't remember any of it. I know, exactly. Chaplin, you should know better than this by now. Come on. So he says, uh, Will a thousand dollars be enough? So he gives him a bunch of money. But then the tramp notices a gun laying at his feet, and he asks the drunk guy something, who shakes his head no. The burglars slowly creep up on them with a billy club, but before he can reach the gun that the tramp put down, the drunk grabs it, and tramp has to wrestle it away from him again so he doesn't kill himself. And then a bunch of nothing happens for a couple minutes, with the burglars trying to hit the drunk guy on the head, but not being able to. Eventually, the tramp puts the gun away, and the drunk guy gets knocked out, but the robbers run away after Chaplin manages to That's get on the phone and call like, the cops. Yeah. And, and then, so uh. and, and then Chaplin chases them, but they get away. And he runs and, into a cop. But that's just outside. when the cops happen to show up, or at least one of the cops show up and yeah. mistake. And rather than yeah. listen to Chaplin, the two guys just ran off. He takes him inside where the butler says that the drunk has been robbed and to search that man. So I guess it is, it is easy to forget that the that that Chaplin is dressed as a tramp, so he yeah. he sh- he does not look like he should belong there. But you think yeah. the baller would at least back him up a little bit and say, "No, this guy's been a guest here a whole bunch of times." But no, well, I guess the baller's like just the butler out to really get fucking Chaplin. Him. Yeah. So they do search him and they find the money. And he asked the drunk. The Chaplin's like, "Oh, no, he gave me the money." So they asked the drunk, who's awake. But he he got hit on the head, so he doesn't remember him. I guess oh, now he's been no. knocked sober. I guess, yeah. I guess. So now Chaplin's on the run, and he runs, and this so he sees some cops, and is like, "Hurry inside! They're looking, waiting for you." And they all go inside. And he locks the door and runs away. So the next morning, he goes to see the blind girl, and gives her the money, the thousand dollars for rent, and the rest is for her eyes. So he puts on some music and tells her, "I must be going." And she asks if she can ever thank how he can ever she can ever thank him. Yeah, he says he go we'll go away for a while, but he'll be back. You should have and said then, he makes blowjob sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on the street corner, he gets arrested. And yeah, then he doesn't give himself up, right? He's just kind of like walking down the street and he gets busted, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because you think that'd be a big dramatic thing. Or like, you think the next shot would him be him just like driving up to like police headquarters and turning himself in? But yeah, they don't even do that. Yeah, and then days on a calendar fly off. Yeah, 
It's in a couple autumn. months. It's yeah. It's it's like early. It's like from January nineteen thirty to like March nineteen thirty or something. Mm-hmm. Which totally means it wasn't a New Year's party. So, oh, yeah. well, the fact that there's like multiple New Year's parties, the thing that kind of made me go, I guess this is just how parties are going, especially in prohibition. Yeah. I guess maybe drunken parties would be extra crazy too, especially if you're rich. But no. yeah. So, yeah, I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. Now she can see. And she's running a flower shop with her grandma. There is one nice thing. I don't know if this is intentional, but you just see that she's like attending to a bunch of flowers and then the city background is behind her. And if you're really stupid, you just might think she's back to being a normal street flower girl. But then the camera mm-hmm. like cuts to the next shot. She's actually in her own flower shop. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's meant to be a surprise, but I could see if that like if you're like, again, if you're living in 1930s and extra stupid, you might be tricked by this into thinking that she's yeah. just back to being her normal self. But. No, yeah, she can see, and she got her own flower shop. Yep. So, the tramp is out of jail, and he's looking more ratty than ever before. Yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, he's looking extra fucked up. Like, his waistcoat is gone, his tie is gone, his clothes... Like, you can see his naked shins? Like, his yeah, pants are barely, like, existing. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks like he got, like... He looks like... uh, He just got attacked by the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. He's looking extra fucked up, and he's kind of like... Extra stooped over and limping, and yeah, he's not in a good place. Yep. A rich guy goes in the flower shop, asks to buy the flowers, and a blind girl gets sad because she thought he might have returned. Yeah. And then, uh, you think she the would be is... better at recognizing the sound of his voice, but you I guess think. not. Uh, Tramp is walking around, gets picked on by some newsies, the same newsies from before. This is the exciting highlight of the film. This is the action climax. Oh, so climactic. <laughs> Uh, three spitballs from a fucking newsboy uh, he picks a flower up out of the gutter and the kids pull on his pants and run away and this all happens right outside the flower shop where the girl is entertained by the whole thing because she's a monster and enjoys the suffering of lesser people I was like (laughs) are you serious there's supposed to be all these people's sides and she's just laughing this 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 obviously like, it's bad enough that anyone would be laughing at the tramp, because you know who, who wants to laugh at the misfortune of a homeless person? But, like, the tramp is, like, obviously, like, fucked. Like I said, his clothes are, like, he's in a bad fucking spot, even for a homeless person in a, in a, in a film like this. Even for, on the tramp scale of fucked upness, he's pretty rough. Yeah, and she's just laughing her ass off at these kids fucking with this guy. And I'm like, are we supposed to still like this girl? I thought, for a moment there, I was thinking, like, are we just going to find out that she's an asshole? Yeah. And that, like, maybe the the, the lesson of the film is going to be like, well, you do what you can for people. You can't, like, you know, you, you can't take responsibility for how they are once you help them. They could still be assholes. But nope, he's still pining for her, and it's still supposed to be this big romantic thing at the end, and it just kind of rings hollow and just, ugh. Yeah, anyway, yeah. go ahead. He sees her through the window and smiles. <laughs> he does and get this face. He looks like he looks like she should turn into a freshly baked pot roast. <laughs> like the way he's like glaring at her, like he's gonna eat her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, she she remarks she's made a conquest. So she offers again her swap. being kind of a dick because she kind of laughs it off to her. I think it's still her grandma working in the flower yeah. shop. Yeah, she makes that remark because here's this beat up homeless guy like like leering at her through the window. Mm-hmm. Ugh. She offers to swap the shitty flower that he got out of the gutter with a nice one and uh, like a shiny a shiny nickel. And you can buy some penny fish. 
<laughs> she puts it in his hand, and when she touches his arm, she gets the vapors and realizes who he is. <laughs> she starts fanning herself and suddenly turns like she, she suddenly becomes from Mississippi. The mm-hmm. vapors. And he says, "You can see now." Yeah, I can see now. What the fuck is... What are you looking like? Why, you 50-year-old homeless man who got eaten <laughs> by a dinosaur? What the fuck you doing here? Go to the hospital. And she says, yeah, I can see now. And tears, and smiles, and biting of nails, and it's the end. I can't believe that's how this fucking movie ended, especially... Like the, you can see now, like oh yes, I can see your inner beauty. You know, I see you, and I do boo boo boo. And so, again, the commentary turning me against this film, talking about how <laughs> it's the, the greatest—not just one of the greatest, but the greatest example of of screen acting in movie history. It's like listen. It's so what you're saying is the commentary for this is like getting a lecture from fans of the room about how great the room is before you yeah. watch it. Yeah, or it's like someone watching a turd. It was someone else <laughs> watching a turd. Saying <laughs> otherwise, no conscious review of this film. So watching someone eat a turd, talk about how it's the best turd they've ever eaten. They're like, you know, that might be true, but it doesn't change the fact that you're eating a turd. Like, yeah, you're not exactly winning any arguments here. Just like, ugh. like it's it was it's, a slog. it's it's so, and like even before I saw the commentary, I was like, that's a really smodlin, overly sentimental way to end the film. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, watching the the commentary, the guy's just like jizzing all over his face, and his own jizz blasting out of his ears about how this is the ultimate f- thing of film history. And I'm just like, it's not even the best Chaplin movie. No, that's what I'm saying. There's not even. Oh my god, that's it's, the it's... thing. That's the thing. Because you th- again, you think like even on the Chaplin scale of things, you think there'd be an uptick in this stuff, and even the ending's not as good as some of the other Chaplin films, like the two other Chaplin films we've seen. And it's just like, and so many people like looking up uh, reviews about this movie. So many people consider this to be the defining Chaplin masterpiece, and this is and it's specifically this ending to be the highlight of his entire career. So I have, Maybe... I have to. Now that we've established that people think this are fucking morons, maybe, like, I can go into, like, finishing off the other two films of his, like, with a dash of hope, thinking, well, if everyone is stupid, but everyone thinks this is the best film, then maybe by, it's guaranteed that the other films must be at least, at least can't be any worse? Yeah, it's like watching a cartoon and being like, well, it's for babies. Yeah. That's what Chaplin is. It's for dumb people. (laughs) It's for dumb, it's for baby old people. (laughs) <laughs> dumb babies and old people it makes it smells like mothballs and your grandma's farts and Werther's candies and mm-hmm. yeah it's fuck and film history as, people too with as fuck you guys as as and uh, as much as chaplin loves the jokes that he's doing in this that's the th- and mm. how against he was like talkies apparently i am not looking forward to the great dictator I can't imagine, because either he would embrace that format and, and try to do something interesting with it, or I wonder if it's just a begrudging final, finally do a talkie, but it's going to be the worst possible, because I'm not going to, like, be invested in, in at all in this in technology and just kind of, like, I don't know. I, Beth, Chaplin is so dick-suckingly fucking enamored with himself and his art form that I can't, Im- I don't know. It'll be yeah, interesting and, to see what happens, but I'm not looking forward to it. I have to make a confession, Bill. Yeah? So, I watched the first half an hour of this, 
without like taking any notes because I was holding my baby. Yeah. That I couldn't really type. So I went back and I watched the first half an hour again at one and a half times speed. So it was sped up. Yeah. And that was working well enough that I just watched the whole movie at that speed. <laughs> and even then, yeah! even still sped up. It was exhausting. Imagine watching it at normal speed. I can't imagine watching this at normal speed. Yeah. It's It's, brutal. I want to see someone do the cut. Like, you know, if if someone has the balls to go out and, like, make a cut of The Last Jedi without any women in it, somebody can go make a cut of this movie that cuts out all the redundancy and the jokes. And again, you would make a a pretty, like, one hell of a pip of, like, a 15-minute long movie. Yeah, that's but, about what it'd be. Eighteen minutes, maybe. Yeah, like if you like, even if you just kept all the jokes in there, but like just trim them down so you like, okay, I get the I get the point of the joke. He's eating the spaghetti. It's actually paper. Like, yeah, I was just, mm. and yeah, it's not even that bad, but it's just not good. It's not that good. Yeah, according to like, no matter what anyone else says, what are the the, the the film people say it is. Oh, it's yeah. This little and like I will continue on with my journey through Chaplin, but. Yeah, this is if especially if this is supposed to be the apex of Chaplin's work, that does not bode well for the future. Um, yeah. But again, like I said, maybe, because people are stupid, maybe that'll work in our favor, and the other two movies will actually be better than this. But it's cold toast. It is. It's yeah. cold toast that isn't even fully toasted. I mean, it's edible. It's not going to kill you, but at the same time, you're going to be wondering like, why the fuck is everyone else raving about this cold toast made by a pedophile? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to eat no cold pedophile. Toast. That's the important thing we need to remember. Made yeah. by a pedophile. You know what? That's like every time I start feeling bad about ragging on Charlie Chaplin, I'm like, oh, made by a pedophile. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, my notes uh, are. Uh, I just made a note at the very beginning when uh, it says musical direction by Alfred Newman. That name is notable to me because Alfred Newman was the guy the who Mad Magazine wrote in... character. What's that? The Mad Magazine character. Well, that's supposedly like he was named after this guy. Oh, I was just making like a yeah, that's joke. where the name came from. Supposedly, yeah. that's what I've heard. Uh, Alfred Newman, he was one of the first big uh, early uh, movie score composers. Uh, he composed the uh, fanfare of uh, the 20th Century Fox opening fanfare before every Star Wars movie. That yeah, yeah, that famous thing that everyone gets upset about that it's no longer there because Star Wars is owned by Disney now. And he was also, I think, the great grandfather of. Both Randy Newman and Thomas Newman, and Thomas Newman is the guy who composed the music for Hey Little Women and other movies. Um, oh, but yeah. Hey, hey, Um, oh god, I forgot my six, my like first half of my notes is just raving about how stupid people are for liking this movie. It's not even <laughs> actual notes related to the plot; it's just me just like freaking out. Um, okay, yeah, the original idea for City Lights was that it was going to be about a blind clown who covers up his blindness from his daughter uh, by covering, like, he's doing pratfalls and stuff, and he's excusing, like, the fact that he's fucking up because he's blind by, like, writing it off as, like, oh, isn't this a funny pratfall I just did, because I'm a clown, but I'm not blind. Ugh. Uh, yeah, that, and that's kind of somehow eventually morphed into the idea of the blind, blind girl character. And that was mixed with an idea. No, the more you think about it, it's, it's hey, let's laugh at the blind man that falling down. Like this movie could have wound up being what's the J- Jerry Lewis movie about the clown in the, the Holocaust? The day the clown cried, or something yeah, that like no one's that? allowed to see because it turned out so horribly. Yeah. <laughs> this this could have been that. Um, but yeah, the 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 blind clown, uh, the brown clown, <laughs> the brown clown. 
Only the clown, the brown clown, my favorite clown. Uh, the blind clown uh, idea was mixed with uh, an idea Chaplin had about the tramp being picked up by a couple of drunk millionaires for a night on the town, only to be left back at the dump the next morning, uh, leaving the tramp wondering if the night before it had actually happened or was just a dream. And so, yeah, that kind of formed the backbone, backbone of all the, uh, the, the B-plot with all the millionaire stuff. Uh, Chaplin didn't think the Tramp character would work in a talkie, so he decided to make City Lights a silent film. Uh, Cha- Chaplin also famously suggested that talkies would last for only three years tops, but he then uh, made concessions to the sound era by including a pre-recorded score composed by Chaplin himself, occasional sound effects, and the Charlie Brown wah-wah-wah talking during the statue dedication at the start. And yeah, that whistle gag. I forgot about that whistle gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaplin spent over a year shooting the film, abandoning, rewriting, and refilming whole sequences. Uh, he fired the original actor for The Millionaire halfway through, and tried to do the same with the lady who played the blind girl. Uh, she wasn't even an actress, and was just some rando Chaplin had met at a boxing match. But Chaplin was forced to rehire the actress with a raise no less, after every attempt to replace her fell through. Uh, supposedly Chaplin also tried to rehire, like, the 16-year-old girl he was dating during The Kid. Who would have been like an elderly, like twenty six, I guess, during the production of this film. Mm. Um, despite spending almost two years making a silent film, just as silent films were quickly dying off, City Lights made a fortune and had all the critics sucking Charlie Chaplin's dick. Though, although a few critics were unimpressed, especially at how broadly sentimental it was and how Chaplin was blindly sticking to the silent film format, those people were correct. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, my last note is just uh, some people talking about how, yeah, they, they've suggested that City Lights is heavily autobiographical with the blind girl representing Charlie Chaplin's mother, who died while Chaplin was writing the film, and the drunken millionaire representing Charlie Chaplin's uh, drunken uh, papa. So, that's everything there is to care about City Lights, the supposed apex of Charlie Chaplin's entire body of work. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. But especially when Charlie Chaplin is held up as being the prime creator during the silent film era, and this is his top work. This is, uh, and by inference, you could assume this is supposed to be the greatest, even though it's technically not a silent film. There is talking, there's music, like baked in music. It's not like a score that was like laced in 30 years later or anything like that. This is supposed to be the apex of silent film craft. Mm-hmm. And it's just like old timey farts being farted in your face by Mr. Burns. And you're just like, what? What? Like, these people deserve to lose World War II. <laughs> Fuck them. We should be all be in the camps by now. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. City lights. More City like, lights. I can't believe, did we not make the joke? Shitty lights? Oh! oh no, we didn't. Oh. Oh. Um... Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I could end on a high note with what we're going to watch next week, but I don't fucking know. <laughs> I had never picked anything. You got a baby. Things are happening. Yeah. So, and like I said, with, with you having a baby and stuff, it's entirely possible that we might have taken a random week off because who the hell knows what's happened? Your baby could suddenly just start burping fire and you have to take him to the hospital. Who knows what could happen? Or you maybe just be tired and be like, Bill, I want to sleep in Monday. <laughs> Can we just skip a week? Who knows? I mean, I'm. I will probably be back next week, but I'm just saying. Like, oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, production is. We haven't uh, missed this podcast this becoming more so fluid. This, by this point, do you have any idea? Who like, knows? is there anything you're 
you're you're tempted to think to do? I mean, there's nothing. Well, I was I was thinking of like maybe watching a, a, a like talky comedy from that era, but I don't know. Mm, I've yeah. seen a, I I I want to go through the Marx Brothers in order, but their next film I've seen. Which which because we've done I've got four of their movies. We've done two of them. Uh, Animal Crackers is next. Animal Crackers is next. I mean, if series. you want to do Animal Crackers, I mean, well, that's true. Well, I've we seen could lie. Crackers. Could lie it up. <laughs> right when you admitted to having seen it before, I could just lay in a big honking sound. <laughs> uh, but we'll figure out something. So, so yeah. I looked at 19, 1930s comedies, and I don't know, man. <sighs> there's so many things that could be terrible, but there's also so many things that I've it heard the nice name of It would be nice to find so something often. that we can pretty much be sure would actually at least be an improvement. Over like this? I like, I like Clark Gable in Arsenic and Old Lace, but I don't know if he'd be good in bringing up Baby. Yeah, I don't know. Clark's I've heard probably. the name The Thin Man a lot, but I don't know anything about it. I always confuse The Thin Man with The Third Man. Hmm. Um. I don't know. I'm I don't know. just. I'm I'll sorry. I'm just looking out. up like on Google. Yeah, if you type in 1930s com- uh, comedies, it's almost entirely just Marx Brothers and Chaplin movies that pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, with a couple Hepburn and Grant movies. But yeah, there's nothing here that I've ever heard of before that I've already uh, ever been super interested in myself. But yeah, we got time to yeah. figure out something. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, I might. Who knows? I might probably not even do a 1930s thing. Yeah. God forbid. You know, know what? We'll just do the Goofy movie. Oh, there we go. Figure out something that came out just five years ago, so that's the kind of the cutoff for Tardy the Party, so we can get just like super recent. Something we know will at least be technically well put together. Who yeah, knows? But yeah, we'll do whatever you like, whatever your baby can tolerate while you're in the room. <laughs> it's not so babysitting. much. I can watch whatever with my baby. He's pretty chill, but yeah, uh, it's it's the fact that it's hard to type with him like in my arm. Yeah. Because just... I have to do it one-handed, and I'm good at perusing certain sites one-handed, but <laughs> typing an entire that, sentence? Know. So you just, you, you want to review SuicideGirls.com from like 10 years ago? <laughs> from 10 years ago, yeah. SuicideGirls.com. You yeah. could catch up on the girls you didn't beat it to back then? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, actually, we never thought about actually doing a website. I mean, I did Homestar Runner, which is kind of like me reviewing yeah. a website. Huh. Who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll squeeze in a short game. Who the fuck knows? Or maybe I'll read a comic. Mm, I've always heard good things about what's the... Uh, what's the Superman story that everybody loves? <laughs> Superman Dick Sucker of Speed? Wait, what? <laughs> Dick Sucker of Speed? Like a recent comic book? Yeah, there was the friend quiet, quietly within the last like like five years or so. There was... um. Oh god, yeah. No, there there's, was like... I read like an issue or two. Recommends. Was that? There's one that Bobby Roberts always recommends. Yeah, well, you could hit him up on Twitter. I'm sure he wouldn't be afraid to tell you what was good. Yeah, Superman. Nah. Yeah, no. Yeah, we'll figure out stuff. Yeah, we'll figure out something. Yeah, I have no idea what I want to do next either, so I'm in no rush for you to figure out what you want to do next, so I don't yeah. have to worry about what I want to do next. Oh, there's so many things we need to do. Yeah. Oh, okay, we should wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was Charlie Chaplin's wet fart. Yeah, I and mean, Charlie City Chaplin. Lights. The fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> why did people? Oh, not in so much. Why? What's wrong with him? What was wrong with the world that they like let him do these hate crimes and like laud him for it and give him so much money and respect? <laughs> God damn! That it really is yeah. the Woody Allen of his time, where it's like, what was wrong with society that they let this happen for so long? 
Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy the nice long break before we tackle another one of Woody or Woody, <laughs> not Woody Allen, another one of Charlie Chaplin's films. You know, what it is? yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if I want to. Yeah, it's it's almost attempting to like rush through his next two just to get it done with, just to yeah. say, hey, we're done. But or, yeah, I know think what? I need to build up fun. a bit of a buffer again. Not not fun, but you know what? Who could be a thing that you could do? What's that? Bounce back and forth between the Marx Brothers and him just to like. <laughs> I could. Compare I mean, if I contrast. really just wanted to break my own fucking brain, and we could, <laughs> and we could get, get all that because we've only got two. Like in terms of the, like I've only got two films apiece from those two guys. I still have to talk about. So I could wrap up all that stuff within a month, or no, yeah, wait, but two, I two months because yeah. I don't think I could handle that much, Chaplin. Oh <sighs> yeah. Okay, yeah. This is essentially off podcast talk, but yeah, no, just people yeah. are more private to listening to it. It's not like we're talking about anything bad or anything. Like, yeah. No, not this time. Yeah, we're just, I just like the fact about talking about future podcasting plans is kind of an improvement over talking about this film. <laughs> God damn, talking about like my my oh man, I had beef ribs the other night <laughs> that smelled uh-huh. so good when I was pooping them out that I started salivating. <laughs> I felt like a Thanks. dog. <laughs> Thank you. They were really good ribs, and they smelled coming out. It was exactly the same I... way as they did coming in. <laughs> They smelled so good the night before, and, like, it just made, like, oh. That's already a better ending than the ending of City Lights. <laughs> All right, so, on that note, I guess, keep following your whole just pop culture. Goodbye, everybody. I smell you. I'm a gonna win. Take care, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. I hate our podcast. <laughs> Okay, this feels like therapy that we're just recording for people for entertainment. Okay, we'll talk to you later, guys. Uh.